Zorba Pastor on Your Health is pre-recorded. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on Your Health. I'm Carl Christensen, and I'm here with family doc Zorba Pastor. We'll spend the next hour with you in our virtual doctor's office. Although, Zorba, we're missing that take a number ticket dispenser, you know, like the, the <laughs> right, deli counter. Right. It looks like that's a big right, plastic right. whistle. You got you know, it. Yeah, that's right. We don't have that right. here. Take a number. We don't have take Why a number. Why don't we have that? Because everyone's got the number. Oh, that's right. You gave them the number. 800-462-7413. That's it. Once they've got the number, <laughs> that's it. They're next up. <laughs> Good call. We'll talk healthy living. We'll walk you through a healthy recipe. We'll get to some of your phone calls and emails and a few voicemails as well. And if you have a question for the good doc, that number to call from that ticket is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. And along with those calls, Zorba, we're going to have a couple healthy living topics. Yes, we're going to talk about grief, mm-hmm. uh, issues with grief. How do you approach grief? Uh, it's really a serious topic that we often don't discuss. It's mm-hmm. worth discussing, very important. And then we're going to discuss forest bathing, that is going into Mother Nature with children, what it really helps with children's mental health. And I think it's important not only for children with mental health, but it's also important for our mental health. Interesting stuff. And what's the special recipe today? Mango, grilled mango, sticky rice. Ooh. If you've never had mango, a lot of people have never had mango, you should try this. And if you like mango, you should try this. And frankly, everyone should... Try this. Try this. That's right. Grilled mango sticky rice. Definitely. I think, yeah. I think you will like this recipe. Stick around for that. All right. To the phones we go at 800-462-7413. Once again, that's 800-462-7413. All right. Our first caller joins us now from Billings, Montana. Hi. Hi, Carl. This is uh, Kelly, and um, I just am calling to see what Dr. Zorba would suggest uh, my mom do with the condition that she has. Oh, sure. What what kind of condition does your mom have? Well, ultimately, she's been diagnosed with pyoderma gangrenosum. Pyoderma gangrenosum. So she has it. Tell me a little bit about her and where, where this is. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's 79 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say that um, back in the 90s, she was diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh-huh, but okay. she hasn't had any symptoms since okay, then. Okay. So she does have a um, an autoimmune that, um, right. thing going on. So she's got pyoderma. She has infections. What sort of what's going on no, with her? What sort of symptoms? No, she doesn't have infections, which is weird. So um, about four and a half to five years ago, she developed a wound on her lower leg that would mm-hmm. not heal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she went to local doctors and dermatologists mm-hmm. with no signs of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, after about a year, a year. They recommended, That's a long yeah. time. That is yeah. a long time. Uh, well, and it gets longer. <laughs> <laughs> they recommended going to Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Okay. So we mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And they diagnosed her as having insufficient veins. So in other words, the circulatory system to her leg was insufficient to take care of the Correct. infection. So they recommended continuing yes. local care. Is your mother on a statin, blood thinners, or anything like that, by the way, at the I time? I don't think that mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. I know she's on a ton of different things. ton of different things. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah. she went to Rochester. They said local care is the way to treat it. They gave some instructions on how to do it and sent her back to Billings. Okay. They mm-hmm. did. And so um, so they tried doing some skin grafts as well. Oh, um, after mm-hmm. another, and they didn't take, mm-hmm. after another year, <laughs> the wow. wound took a dramatic change mm-hmm. um, for the worse. And she was admitted to the hospital mm-hmm. in Billings. And a dermatologist there diagnosed her with the pyoderma gangrenosum mm-hmm. with a completely different wrapping method Mm -hmm. that has been going on. Again, more Mm -hmm. skin grafts have been Mm -hmm. done, and she has uh, gone to several rounds of infusions recommended by her rheumatologist. What sort of, she has an open wound, a little bit unclear. What symptoms does she have now? She's got open wounds on her left leg, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they'll start healing, but then another one opens up, and they're Mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. This is so a hyperbaric chamber therapy yeah. was suggested, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but Medicare doesn't cover that. Yeah, and Medicare does not pay for it. Right. Medicare doesn't pay for hyperdermic chambers. Right. But she's never had, you know, she's, when she was admitted to the hospital, when they 
diagnosed it with the pyoderma gangrenosum. They thought she had an infection, mm-hmm. but she didn't. So, and they so it, have said that the gangrenosum is a misnomer. So it's basically a circulatory issue where she simply is not able to heal her skin because of circulation problems. So she's also had circulation studies, I assume? Well, her. I'm not sure about mm-hmm. circulation studies, mm-hmm. um, not to my knowledge, uh-huh. and I don't know where uh-huh. she would so one of the one of the questions I would have in a situation like this, if there's a circulatory problem, you know, are you going? Did you have essentially circulatory studies to look at the arterial circulation, and then is there something that can be done with that? In other words, maybe it's not a venous problem, maybe it's an artery problem, and maybe there's not. I mean, like you said, it's a circulatory issue. So I would think, especially after she went to Mayo Clinic, they may have done something like that. But she also went to Mayo. How many years ago was it? That was in 2021. So she needs a second look, and she needs a look to see if there's circulatory issue can be that can be fixed with a stent. That would be, you know, if you came to me in my she office. She has had a stent. You know what? That Now that you mentioned that, if that means um, circulatory, she did have a stent put in. So, And when did she have the stent put in? I would say that was probably two years mm-hmm. ago. So, And has she been restudied since? Did things improve, by the way, after she had the no. stent? They did not improve. No. Uh-huh. So no. Uh, what does your mother do? Does she walk around? Does she exercise? Um, at, she, at this point, mm-hmm. she really hasn't been able to. Oh, some of these problems are so difficult. So what would I do in a case like <laughs> this? You know, Because first of all, you've gone to a tertiary place like Mayo Clinic. You've gone once. They gave some recommendations, and basically that didn't do it. Then you've got to have a stent that's put in, and she has something that is, not, that is not healed. What I would do if it were my mother is I would have a second look again at a tertiary institution like Mayo. That's what I would do. I would say, okay. look, this isn't working. We have a rheumatologist here. What else can we do? Because I'm concerned about it. Because you really, first of all, you had you had a recommendation from Mayo. That made sense. She now had a stent to improve circulation. That made sense. Maybe she needs another stent. But that's what I would do because you're between a rock and a hard place, and it's not an infection. It's a circulatory problem. So I would go back there. I don't have anything okay. magic besides that. They... They're so good at things like this, but obviously your mother has something that has been more difficult. But I would have them do a second look because it's not getting any better and say, is there anything else to do? Symptomatically, what are your mother's symptoms right now? Just the open wound. I mean, otherwise she's, you know, she she feels pretty good. She goes bowling. She... So she does her normal stuff. So what does she cover? She covers her wound with what every day? What does she cover well, that's up? Done. She goes three times a week to the clinic to have them. To the wound um, care clinic. Yeah, to wound care. Yep. Okay. So wound care covers the wound. She's still doing her normal, everything else. She, her life is yeah. pretty normal, very normal, kind yeah, of normal. Pretty, yeah, pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would go back, I would get another look. And if that's not the case, it may just be a chronic problem. Now, we deal with other chronic diseases, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, people in heart failure, COPD, chronic lung disease. Your mother, there may not be an answer to this. I want to tell you that. The answer may be a wound clinic three days a week to keep her going. And it may be like other chronic problems. But I would have a second look and I would make sure she kept doing activities that made her happy and healthy. Okay. Oh, I really appreciate your advice. Thank you, Dr. Zorba. Oh, you're welcome. And thank and thanks so much. Difficult, difficult problem. And thank you for sharing this. Yeah. Thank you. You're Have welcome. a good day. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba, let's go to our first healthy living topic. And today we're going to talk about grief and grieving. And I wanted to open up with a letter that you gave to me, actually, that was right. written by, this is from 2004. Right. This letter was written to you from Willard Thurlow. Tell the listeners, who's Willard Thurlow? Well, this was uh, Dr. Thurlow. So when I was a, a psych major in at the University of Wisconsin decades ago, uh, I worked for him. He's a really smart guy, brilliant guy, had an audition, audition meaning hearing, went to know about hearing and hearing loss and how to treat it. And he was just a great guy. And he was a radio listener. And while I was on the air, mm-hmm. one day I received this letter and I saved it because the letter was so remarkable. All right. This is from Dr. Willard Thurlow. This is from December of 04. Dear Zorba, I was listening to you on the radio. You must be proud of all the benefits you have brought to your audience. I'm 86 years old. I find myself following many of your prescriptions for a happy life. 
without Alzheimer's. I was just sending out Christmas cards, and I enclose a message I sent out with them. You can see that my grandchildren make my life happy nice. and interesting. Nice. I'm able to communicate right. with them often and with my sons and daughters-in-law. My wife and I live under a halo of goodwill mm -hmm. created by my son, Peter, who is a surgeon, just as your children will live in the halo your good works have created. How nice. <laughs> I lost my wife two years ago. Mm -hmm. People don't realize ahead of time what the emotional impact will be. Our present conscious values may not adequately reflect true values. A paradox. We may have to lose someone before we recognize their true value. Right. People should, at least once a year, imagine what would happen if they lost their partner or family member or close friend. You know, uh, he brings up a point. So first of all, I, I saved letters and cards. I just sort of saved them. And then uh, I was going through a bunch of them because I had too many of them. I had piles of them. Uh, and uh, I happened to come across this. And my mm -hmm. wife, uh, a few months ago, uh, recently died. It was a few months ago. And we mm -hmm. were married for nearly 50 years, just a few months short of 50 years. And I saw this letter and I thought, karmically, well, I'm looking at this letter that was in a, in a box somewhere that had nothing to do with the condolence cards uh, that I received. And I received literally about 300 condolence cards, mm -hmm. lots of condolence cards from people I knew and people I didn't know and people who I touched their heart and people who penny touched their heart. Uh, and, and he brings up a very good point about grief. So first of all, a, a good friend of mine, Nancy, who has since passed away, she said, grief has its own clock. Mm. Grief has its own clock. It's not something like, you know, well, you know, somebody died, get over it. And people have never said that to me. But, but sometimes people say that to other people. And grief has its ups and downs. There are waves that come and, and waves that go. And he brings up a good point. Imagine a life without a loved one who you've had for many years. And maybe you'll treasure that person more when they're alive. Mm -hmm. Very important, especially if there are problems and rough edges, you know, that occur within your life or your marriage or your kids or financially, you know, all these things occur with us. But, but, but getting, back, getting back to grieving, during the first year after grief, there's an increase in spousal death, and it's, it's death from a number of causes. First of all, there's an increase in spousal suicide. Hmm. That is not uncommon, and it's a bump. I can't tell what the bump is, but it's probably a 5 or 10% bump in spousal suicide, especially in long marriages. Uh, but the other issue is heartbreak. So heartbreak is not just, oh, my heart breaks, I haven't seen you. But when you're older, heartbreak leads to stress. And stress leads to adrenal hormones. And adrenal hormones that are inappropriately surging through your body because you're stressed can lead to cardiac arrhythmias and sudden death from a heart attack. Mm. And there is an increase in heart attacks in the first year after a loved one has died among older adults. And I think that's why it's important in a grieving process to have a good backbench, people you can talk to, friends and family if you have them, or going to a grief counselor, hospice, especially good hospice environments will allow you to have a grief counselor during hospice and after hospice. But seeking help during grief helps you walk through grief as it continues. And he brings up a really good point. Count your blessings. What do you have now when you don't have anyone that you're grieving with? Grief, is the G word, is sort of what the C word used to be like. C word was cancer. We don't talk about it. And people didn't talk about cancer 10, 20 years ago. Now they talk about it. Grieving, people are afraid to often talk about it to a person who has lost one mm -hmm. as if they'll catch it, as if it were an infectious disease. And I think Dr. Thurlow had a very, very good point. Think about your loved one, and that will allow you to go through grief if you lose that loved one. And we all lose loved ones throughout mm -hmm. our lives. That's the nature of reality. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, call anytime. Leave a voicemail if you want. And let's go to a voicemail now. This is a listener from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Hey, doctor. Uh, so I have a question for you about fibromyalgia. Uh, my mom has it and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I've seen it throughout her life get progressively worse. And as far as I know, that's something that can be like genetic. So uh, I'm in my early thirties now. Is there anything I can be doing now to like position myself in the future to not have those kinds of pains? I do notice, uh, you know, as I'm getting a little older, I've got some like neck and back pain and, uh, you know, I, I really want to make sure I nip that in the bud and, you know, just looking for any advice you have. Thanks. Getting older, 
What was his age, Carl? I think he said his early 30s. Early 30s, <laughs> and he's concerned about pain. I would love to have the pain that I had in my early 30s. I'd love to go back to my early 40s. How about my early 50s? Maybe even the early 60s. I mean, I've got joint pain here and there, you know, and he's concerned. <laughs> Grass is always greener? Is that it's what you're saying? It's always greener. It's always greener. Fibromyalgia is not genetic. Let me repeat that. Fibromyalgia is not genetic. We don't have uh, a good way of actually defining fibromyalgia in certain ways. It's really a, a, a problem, a musculoskeletal problem made up of committee. They're major and minor signs, and we don't have a good imaging yet. It's absolutely real. It's not genetic, so he doesn't have to worry. Is there anything he should do to keep from getting it? Don't worry about it. That's what you, that's one of the things you do. And stay healthy. If you've got joints that ache in your 30s, figure out what makes your joints ache so you're not aching as much anymore. Take the ibuprofen when you need it. Exercise right. And don't worry about fibromyalgia because chances are it is not in your future. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, before the break, Zorba, it's time to log in to the Zorba Pastor on your health Facebook page for another edition of... Let me guess, Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. God, I wish I could sing. That was really good. I wish I could sing. Let's re-record that. I mean, mean, I've got to tell you, when I was in eighth grade, I was a super high soprano. I could sing higher than the girls were in the class. And believe me, when you're in eighth grade and you're 13, you do not want to be known as a super high high soprano. Oh, it's all right. It filled a need, right? They needed Someone needed to sing Let me tell you, not not the needs that I needed when I was in eighth grade and I was 13. But we are not going to go there today. We are going to go on to... All right. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook feedback. feedback. All right, Zorba. Steve in Milwaukee slid into our DMs with the following <laughs> message. You know, there's ice sometimes on the street and water. You have to be careful <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it you is say slid. And there. then when there's baseball around, like slitting into it. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. This is from Steve in Milwaukee. Slid. Okay. Go, ahead. Go for it. Steve says, Dr. Zorba. That's you, me. That's you. You recently discussed psyllium use and its benefits. I have taken it daily for about five years mm-hmm. and it has been good to me. My question is about when or when not to take it with meds. I'm 81 and take three meds, a low-dose aspirin and a -a once-a-day vitamin Mm -hmm. for people 65 and older in the morning and two at bedtime. I heard somewhere that you should not take meds with psyllium or not until at least four hours after. Uh I've been taking mine at noon Mm -hmm. but would like to Mm -hmm. take it in the morning or just before bedtime. Mm -hmm. Your input would be appreciated. Uh, Now, uh, how do you think psyllium is spelled? Oh, I, I can just look at it on the sheet here. It's spelled P-S-Y. It has a P. <laughs> yeah. It has a P. Look at our language. Psyllium. There's no the P. Silent in, P. There's, there's no, the silent P in psyllium. <laughs> it's so crazy. As far as I know, you can take it anytime you want to. I mean, you heard that it's four hours between that. Uh-uh, not at all. Now, let's, let me go one step further. There's certain meds that you have to take on a completely empty stomach. You check with your pharmacist on mm-hmm. that. And does psyllium interrupt that? Well... When in doubt, you check with your pharmacist, and if they don't know the answer, then you take the psyllium at a different time. Okay. In other words, that's what you do because there there may not be any tests with psyllium, but psyllium is a non-absorbed fiber supplement. It's, it's not absorbed into basically. the body. Right. Psyllium is metamucil. Well, yeah. metamucil is name brand psyllium. Right. And the reality is, you can, as far as I know, you can take it, but once again, the pharmacists are great, and pharmacists are an underutilized resource. And when it comes to taking your meds, They'll give you the right answer. All right. Good advice. Do you have a healthy living question for the good doc? Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or by sending us an email at... Uh, Zorba at <laughs> WPR.org. You had to think about that? Yeah, I did. That's I just did. the email. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we have mango sticky rice recipe coming mm, up along mm, with more good. of your calls, more emails, and more voicemails right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange.
Carl Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor over there. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime. That's 800-462-7413. But before we get back to those calls, let's do the recipe. We have grilled mango sticky rice. So first of all, mangoes are very, very common in all tropical areas. I love mangoes. And they're plentiful. And there is a mango season Really, that comes in the U.S. because they're, you know, they're grown in Mexico, mm-hmm. grown in South America, and they come up here. So they're one of those fruits that you can get on different times of the year, but they're really like strawberries. They bloom at a certain time. Yeah. And when, when you were a kid, could you get strawberries all year round? Do you remember I don't all? remember. I mean, yeah, I ate strawberries, but yeah, I didn't know yeah, about Yeah, but strawberries were not available in Wisconsin yeah. for years except during strawberry season. But getting back to mangoes, because this is not a strawberry recipe, if you haven't tried mangoes, during the season, try it. You're going to have to get mangoes from here. You can also get frozen mangoes. Did you know that? Yeah, sure. Store? I eat those almost every day with yeah, like frozen, in a smoothie. Yeah. Oh, so you like frozen? So I you love can mangoes. Use, you can use frozen mangoes. Okay, so start out with four cups of sweet rice. Now you can use a medium grain sticky rice. That would be okay if you go to an Asian grocery store, any good grocery store. You can get sweet rice. You can also use black rice. Black rice, which is very common in Indonesia, is also a sweeter rice. It's not really sweeter uh, when you cook it, but it's stickier and it contains, kind of connects to the sweetness much more. Oh, okay. Anyway, four cups. Four cups sweet rice. Three cups canned coconut milk, okay? Three cups, canned, canned coconut, coconut milk. milk. That's right. Get the full-fat coconut milk. Coconut milk. You can get low-fat, co- low but it doesn't taste as good. And if you're going to have some something, sometimes <clears> just <throat> go for it. Three cups of water. Some All water. right. Three cups of water. Teaspoon. Now, Zorba, what kind of what kind of water are we what talking kind about of, We're talking about uh, just wet water. Wet, wet water. water. Okay. That's right. Wet, <laughs> wet water. In my house, that would be tap water from our well. Perfect. Uh, a teaspoon of sugar. One little tea sugar. One quarter teaspoon salt. One and one quarter little tea salt. Okay. And then you need two pandan leaves. Again, you Get what that an Asian grocery store. Uh, it's a tropical leaf, and if you okay. don't have it, that'll be okay. There, it's at an Asian grocery store or a good big grocery store that has Asian food. All right, okay. two pandan leaves. A couple tablespoonfuls of cornstarch. Two big tea cornstarch. Ten sweet orange mangoes. In other words, which mangoes kind of look orange. Peeled, pitted, and sliced. And if not, you can use two to three packages of frozen mangoes. Okay, ten Orange mangoes, That's right. peeled, pitted, and sliced. I actually have a mango slicer at home, which you just got like, a man- does it work? In the middle, it's like an apple slicer, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's got like yeah. a, a shape of a uh-huh. pit uh-huh. in the middle, and you, you really just go like, bam. You really and the, like mangoes, don't I love, you? I love mangoes. So your kids love mangoes. They too. love. Oh man, yeah. they will fight yeah. over mangoes. They will fight over yep. mangoes. That's right. Mango, <laughs> mango fights. Mango fights. Mango yeah, fights. mango fights. Yeah, is that like another Saturday Night Live, or would it be a frat <laughs> I house? I don't know. Let's have a mango fight. Two tablespoons of olive oil. Two big tea olive oil. Salt and pepper. Some salt and pepper. And some roasted peanuts, about a quarter cup if you have it. About a quarter cup. Coarsely chopped roasted peanuts right. is what it that's right. says you there. The whole you thing. Got it. That's it. The whole thing. <laughs> all right, let's so, make let's this do thing. it. So, first of all, rinse the rice about four or five times until the water is cleared. That gets the carbohydrate coating around the rice off of there. Put the rice in a large pot, add two cups of coconut milk, two cups of water, the sugar in there, and a teaspoon of salt, okay? And in the meanwhile, place the pandan leaves, if you can get it on top of the rice, cover the pot, bring it to a boil over high heat, about 10 minutes just to get it up there, turn the heat down and cook until the rice absorbs all of the liquid. Now, if you've got a rice cooker, do you have a rice cooker? We, I don't think we do. Oh, no. Rice cookers. Rice cooker. Do you have an well, instant, instant pot? Instant pot does the same thing, right? Do the instant pot, yeah. and the instant pot will make it. Yeah. That's the best way. I've had a rice cooker since Penny and I first got married. They're awesome. They're easy. Mm-hmm. The instant pot does the same. That's what I would do. Now, in a small pot, take one cup of the coconut milk, remaining one cup of the water, about a quarter teaspoon of salt, and the cornstarch that we put in there, the two tablespoons of cornstarch. Bring to a low boil and mix until the cornstarch is completely dissolved and shut it off. Meanwhile, in another pot, coat mangoes with olive oil, sear it on a grill pan because you want to get it grilled on there. Spoon some of the sticky rice into each bowl, top it with the seared mangoes, and then drizzle that coconut slurry, mm. which is thickened over the rice, and garnish with some sea salt and peanuts. And mm. let me tell you something. You've got a delicious, delicious, interesting meal. The first time you make it, you're going to run into some little thoughts about how to get it, but you can do this. It's not complex. It's just three specific steps. And what's more, 
You can get a copy of this by yeah. going to ZorbaPastor.org. <laughs> That's ZorbaPastor.org. And don't forget, you can find us through Facebook. And you don't even have to have you don't even have to pay us money. No. You just have to pay us attention. <laughs> 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. And one more thing. It's oh. our little Debbie. That's your, and our that's little your gavel. Debbie, our little Debbie, <laughs> by the way, still smells here, Carl. You see if you can still smell it. It's yep, been sitting here it. now. For about four and a half months. It's been, that it's long? been about four and a half months. It's on a paper plate. We will take a picture of this and put it on the website. And yeah. let me tell you something. You can still smell it. Yep. It still smells like still something you want to eat yeah. during a nuclear holocaust. Okay. So put those, if you're a survivalist, in the basement with beans, gold, and little Debbies, and you will survive. All right. 800-462-7413. That's one 800 462 Seven four one three. All right, let's go to a voicemail now. This is a listener in Whitehall, Wisconsin. Hi, I just wanted to know what is the best source of protein for people with iron deficiency? I know there's like salmons, and but is there a really good, healthy source without taking a whole bunch of supplements? Thank you. You bet. Well, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about iron deficiency. If you've got an iron deficiency, you always need to know why you have it. So in other words, a lot of people with an iron deficiency have slow bleed into their colon or into their gut. And it's one of the things that we look at to make sure that they don't have colon cancer. In other words, come in, you're anemic, iron deficiency, we check that out. Let's make an assumption you don't have that. What's the best food to eat? Liver. Really? Yeah, liver's the best thing. A lot of protein. Thing. No, no, it's iron. Oh, Liver sorry. is filled with iron. iron. Well, it does have protein. <laughs> yeah. It is it's iron protein. protein. You're exactly right. Yeah. And it's iron iron. And that's what we used to give. We used to give liver years ago for people. You don't like liver. I can just tell from your face. I don't I don't oh. know if I've ever. I've had liver pate. Oh. I don't think I've ever had like oh a, my a God. hunk every, of liver. No, every Thursday night we had liver in our house. My mother used <laughs> to make it. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, I mean, but but my kids won't eat it. And then yeah. there's chicken liver. Oh, in college, it was really good. We don't go, we, wow. One day we're going to do a liver recipe. I was just going to say liver. We're never going to do a liver recipe. No, no. We are going to do a dynamite liver recipe. I have an Asian liver recipe that I had from Hong Kong years ago, but we won't go into an Indian liver with a little bit Indian spices. Maybe I, I can I, handle that. You see? see yeah, see, now I'm in the liver. But liver is there. And basically, when you're eating red meat, it's red because of iron. That's okay. what causes it to be red. And then, of course, Popeye, if you're not into that, ate spinach because of its iron. Hmm. So you can look at that. But generally, animal products are going to be the best way to do that for iron deficiency. And of course, iron supplements are a good way to do it. But if you have an iron deficiency anemia, then you really have to have it checked out. See, you don't remember back in the day, the $64,000 question. You probably don't remember what, you know. I've you heard of the yeah, show, yeah. yeah. It was brought to you by Geritol. Feel stronger fast. Nice. And Geritol, yeah, nice. For, it was, <laughs> was great. Was it a powder? A lot of, no, no. It was a tonic, ah, Geritol, yeah. for when you're older. And basically, it was a tonic that had two major things in it. It had iron mm -hmm. in it. I mean, nobody had an iron deficiency. And it had alcohol. So if you had alcohol sure. and iron together, you would feel stronger fast until the feds told them that they couldn't really advertise that. <laughs> That's interesting. Geritol. Ger feel stronger fast. For those of you who are in my age group, you will remember that and you'll remember the slogan was, feel stronger fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462. Even Brad is laughing. He likes Brad, yeah. He's got a case of Geritol Yeah, he, he wants to booth. feel stronger fast. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, let's go to a voicemail now. This is a listener from Spokane, Washington. Hi, Zorba. Question about diverticulitis and diet. I don't seem to see anything conclusive about what you should or should not eat. And I do try to maintain a high fiber using artificial fiber supplements. But I've tried, you know, nuts and berries and I've tried uh, highly processed foods. And it seems like I still get uh, an attack of diverticulitis every six months or so. 
And as opposed to having surgery to remove that portion of my intestine, I hopefully can correct this through uh, proper diet. Appreciate your input on that. Thank you. This is a good point. So first of all, diverticuli, little pockets in the colon. And they're very common. They're common for people who eat processed food, which is uh, 100% of the United States of America people. people. I know I do. It's not 100%, but I mean, it's like 95%. Uh, It's also common in the Western culture with what we eat. It's less common in places where they eat high-fiber foods all the time, like in Central Africa. So we know that uh, helping Prevent diverticulitis really means having good, insoluble fiber in your diet. Psyllium is a great way to do it. Metamucil is the name brand. A scoop every morning or one scoop twice a day for some people. They don't get diarrhea from it. Probably psyllium is the best thing you can do for diverticulitis to keep it from happening. Now, we used to say don't eat seeds and nuts, and the answer is wrong. But we gave that advice for 50 to 75, maybe 100 years, probably because some surgeon who took out a piece of the colon found a seed or a corn husk Mm. in there and said, I bet that's the problem. But studies have now shown conclusively that you can have nuts and seeds and popcorn. It's not going to affect your diverticulitis uh, at all. So it's high fiber that makes a difference staying well hydrated and seeing if that works. And frankly, if you have an attack, you know, once every six months, it depends on how bad the attack is. You may eventually need surgery, but increasing that psyllium might keep you from needing surgery in the first place. And believe believe me, most surgeons do not want to work on diverticulitis and removing that part of the colon because sometimes another part of the colon will then produce problems. So unless you have really serious or complete problems, stick with psyllium, stick with a high-fiber diet, and then eat all the popcorn you want. All right, I will. 800 462 I love popcorn. You love popcorn. Who doesn't like popcorn? Yeah, well, I like popcorn. You like popcorn. My wife loves popcorn. Yeah. You, you mean whenever you, whenever there's popcorn around, you will eat it. I will eat it. My kids fight over it. Yeah. Your kids fight over yeah, popcorn. Yeah, we have to everyone's got to get their own right. bowl now. So wait, we tried sharing this, bowls. Let me that get didn't this happen. straight. They fight over popcorn and mango. So yeah. you get them both on the table <laughs> we should at get the some same time. Mango popcorn. That's going, it. it mango like. popcorn. You see, the ultimate <laughs> for Carl's kids. I can just Mango popcorn cereal. Oh, they would. Oh, instead yeah. of cocoa pops, there mango you go. popcorn cereal. <laughs> You're yeah, onto we don't something. have to go that way. You're onto something. There. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Eight hundred. The next big step. Yeah. Exactly. Eight hundred four six two seven four one three. That's one eight hundred four six two seven four one three. All right. Before the break, Zorba, let's take an email from a listener, Lynette, who listens to the show on KQED in San Francisco, California. Lynette writes, "Dear Doctor Zorba." How do you know if foot shuffling is a sign of illness or an affliction of age? My husband is 72 and can be heard approaching at least a half a block away from the sound of his scraping feet. Half a block away. Half a block away. If there is an obstacle in his path, like a raised root or rocks, a trip occurs, but so far not a fall. Going upstairs is also a problem. He ignores my kind words or suggestions as to how to walk a little less noisily. Ignores the kind words. Well, foot shuffling can be a number of things. So one of the most common things with foot shuffling is Parkinsonism. It can Mm. be really the first significant sign. There can be some signs before that, loss of sense of smell, something called micrographia, where you write in very small letters. There are a number of things that can be a sign of Parkinsonism, but that can be one sign. And also neurological problems, a whole bunch of different problems from alcoholism to vitamin B12 deficiency can also cause shuffling. So I think if he shuffles and he's falling, he needs to be seen by a doctor. He needs to be found out as to what it is. Because if you shuffle and fall and you break your hip, Mm. 25% chance you're going to be dead within a year or a year and a half when you break your hip. So that's just you want to keep from falling at a certain age. So he needs a full evaluation as to why the shuffling is occurring. Now, why he's not following your advice? Hey, it's marriage. You don't follow the advice all the time. That's a different topic. That's a different. We will (laughs) shuffle on to Buffalo, although this is San Francisco, and discuss that topic at a different time, but get him to a doctor before he does himself injury. Do you have a healthy living question or comment for the show? Don't shuffle your feet. Send it to us. <laughs> Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email. At Zorba at WPR.org. We have much more of the show to much come. More. Much more. Shuffling on. Shuffling right on. <laughs> we'll have more of your calls. We'll tackle another interesting healthy living topic and more of your voicemails as well. So keep that radio or digital streaming service fixed and dialed in right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. PRX.
Carl Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor. The number to call anytime is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get back to those calls, let's do our healthy living topic here. There's some new research. This is out of UW-La Crosse. This mm-hmm. is about right, local, nature. Local. local. Yeah, local research yeah, here. Yeah. Children's mental health. And nature. That's right. The, the importance of nature, you know, getting kids out for nature. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the study, and then I'm going to talk about how this really dovetails with some Japanese studies that were done years ago. So these were, they took a dozen kids from the age of 9 and 14 uh, in the cross. So how old are your kids? They're 5 and 8. 5 and 8. Okay, so they're older than your kids. So these are middle school, 14 could be high school kids. But these are kids who had mental health challenges like anxiety or depression, and that was the issue. So there were kids that had these problems within the school system, and they said, let's see whether or not forest bathing, I'm going to use that as a term, it's Mm -hmm. a Japanese term, obviously it's not speaking Japanese, but forest bathing, being in Mother Nature. And they measured a few things. And what they found when they brought kids into the forest, gave them sort of kind of like a, a, you know, they went into the forest. They didn't just say, well, go in the woods. They said, let's sit here. Let's look at Mother Nature. Let's sit with the trees. Let's be there. Let's relax in Mother Nature. They found kids actually had a significant decrease in their blood pressure. These kids did not have high blood pressure to begin with, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have normal blood pressure, so it even went down. Their energy level increased, their concentration level increased, their level of stress, it decreased. In other words, there were a number of things that they showed when they published the research in the International Journal of Mental Health Promotion and Psychological Well-Being. And so the concept of slow forest birthing is slow, mindful immersion in nature. So Mm -hmm. even when I say that, can't you picture, Carol, what it must have been like, you know, what they must have done? The way you say that, I, my blood pressure is already going yeah, down. But, it's, it's, it's but relaxing I mean, we me. say yeah. it because it's relaxing. And the real issue is that encouraging children to spend time in Mother Nature can make a difference. So, for instance, during the wintertime, uh, I have four kids and a bunch of grandchildren. I've got seven grandchildren. In the wintertime, when there's snow on the ground, we love to go outside and play in the snow. it's great. Why? It feels good. It's good for us. Mm -hmm. So we forget about Mother Nature as being extremely important, especially for anxiety and depression. In this case, we've shown that it makes a difference with children. And Kids, when they manifest depression and anxiety, they don't do it as adults. They may appear to be normal, and they may actually be anxious, and they may not be doing as well in school and other things. Uh, And so one method of really asking your child or doing things is just to keep anxiety away by spending time in Mother Nature. So what do you do with your kids? We try to get outside as much as possible. It's hard. You know, it's easy to just, you know, get to stick to the screens and Mm -hmm. devices. But Uh yeah, but I do notice a change as soon as we go on a hike or do something. There's... They're more relaxed. Go on a hike. Yeah. That's exactly it. Go on a hike. And in the wintertime, dress properly and go on a hike. Mm-hmm. Obviously not in the middle in Wisconsin in the wintertime when there's a snowstorm or when there's a hailstorm. But if you look at weather, you can get outside 90% of the days or 95% of the days, no matter where you live, for some period of time. And sometimes there's bad weather. We think there's bad weather for the week, but there's only been bad weather for the day. So the bottom line with the study is... Get your kids out into the forest, into Mother Nature. Into Mother Nature will make a big difference, may reduce their anxiety, and is good for their and your mental health. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, let's go back to those phones now. Let's help out a listener in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How can we help? Well, I have a question for Dr. Pastor about gastroparesis. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I had never heard mm. of it. Uh-huh. So for people who don't know what it is, which is probably the vast majority. <laughs> I don't know people, what it is. It's sort of slow gastric emptying from the stomach. That's mm. what it means. Paresis means slowing and gastro means, you know, the gastric system. So uh, right. have you been identified as having gastroparesis? Well, let me tell you really quick sure. my little story here, what's been going on, mm-hmm. and then you you get to decide and tell me what you think. Okay. So about 20 years ago, I had three scans on my gallbladder. Uh-huh. The okay. first one showed that it was working at 80%. Mm-hmm. The second one showed that it was working, not working at all. Mm-hmm. And then the third one showed that it was working great. Got you. So you had, you had some scans with some differing results. Got it. Yes. 
fast forward 20 years, mm-hmm. I get COVID, mm-hmm. then mono, mm-hmm. oh, terrible. then COVID again. Oh, awful. COVID, mono, COVID. Yeah, and I got COVID the second time at Disney World of all places. Oh, yeah. So since then, since that bout with COVID, I have never been the same. Mm-hmm. Chronic fatigue, chronic brain fog, mm-hmm. chronic diarrhea, chronic uh-huh. nausea. Uh-huh. The brain fog is unlike anything I've ever experienced. And when was the last time you had COVID? How long ago? About a month. Okay. So you got one month brain fog and it's one month ago for the last episode. Got it. Okay. And the brain fog has been, it's, I'll forget what, not only what I'm saying, but the context of everything that I was saying. You know how you can get that feeling of it's on the tip of my tongue. Right. And you surround right. kind of in the context. Yeah. yeah. I had no context. You're right. Terrible. Awful. I, I drive down roads, and I think not only where am I going, but what road is this? Right. No, it's no. The brain fog of COVID can be just just awful, awful. Right. So, so gastroparesis. I was just going to say that the reason I thought that it was gastric paresis is because I was on Ozempic for a time, mm-hmm. and I have lost it since October. I've lost thirty six pounds. Oh wow! Not uh-huh. not. Mm-hmm. But because I mm-hmm. cannot eat, mm-hmm. I throw up every time that I try to eat. I'm not getting any nourishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I finally went to a gastroenterologist, he said he looked at my previous scans and he said, "Well, who's been keeping an eye on that gall that gallbladder uh-huh. that polyp mm-hmm. in your gallbladder?" Uh-huh. And I said, "What polyp mm-hmm. in my gallbladder?" Mm-hmm. He said, "It showed up on your scan 23 years ago." Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then it's been 23 years since I had Right, like right, right. Well, gallbladder polyps are not are not critical and not unusual. And if the polyp were an issue, you know, after 20 years, you would know if it were an issue. But it, right. it can do things. Uh, but gastroparesis, where stomach just doesn't empty properly. And uh, and there are some medications that are used. There's a, an older drug called metoclopramide under the name brand Reglan. It's not name branded now. That can sometimes be useful. Uh but the diagnosis is, you know, is made by a gastroenterologist with some scans, and the treatment is usually to take the medications if you need it, and it can happen in a variety of gastric conditions and other conditions such as diabetes. But I don't think that's related to the brain fog of the COVID, um, and I haven't read that COVID and gastroparesis are connected together. They might be. I don't. I don't know if that's the case because you know COVID is still pretty new, even though it seems old to us because there's been so much going on for three to five years. We don't understand long COVID, but brain fog a month later doesn't fit into the long range, but it still is. An, it fits into the awful range. You know, if you don't know yeah. the context of your conversation, that's got to be pretty scary. It's extremely scary mm-hmm. and. It's very difficult for me in my job. You know, I work one-on-one with people. What do you do? What do you do for a living? I'm a therapist. You're a therapist. Oh, it's got to be very difficult to follow conversations with people. Sure. It's so embarrassing, and I just have to tell them at the beginning. Right. There may be times that Mm -hmm. I'm searching for my words. Mm -hmm. I promise you it's not not that I haven't been listening. Right, right. And that's kind of important for people to know that it's COVID. But getting back to the COVID, you've had COVID a couple times. You know, that's a lot. Four times. Four times. That's a lot of times to have COVID. You know, it's going to take you the brain fog. Usually about 90% of the time it clears. You know, after for people who have significant brain fog, it clears after three to six months. Might take three Mm -hmm. months, might take six months. Good evidence that it clears with most people. Uh, Chances are it's going to clear with you because 90, 95% of the people with, you know, with even with long COVID, the brain fog eventually goes away. I don't think it's related to the gastroparesis. The polyp that was found in the gallbladder, if it were significant, you would know by now 20 years later. Chances are in the 90 to 95% range, you are going to get better. So what's important here is diet and nutrition. So you want to follow a Mediterranean diet, Uh, you know, just follow a typical Mediterranean diet. What you want to do is you want to access some increased citrus because even though, uh, because, because even though citrus sometimes can worsen diarrhea. It's really good because it's got vitamin C and micronutrients. Variety of fruits and vegetables. Pay attention to color. The more colorful it is, the better off it is. Make sure that you eat enough legumes. You eat enough beans in there. Follow the med diet. That's the best way to recovery for you. And also, don't forget about exercise. Just walking and some kind of exercise three days a week. Let your body do its natural healing. Thank you so much. 
so much. That is wonderful advice. I appreciate you very much. My husband will be so happy and thrilled because he loves seafood, and I do not. But I'm going to learn to love it. There, uh, thanks much. Thanks for your call. Thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for taking my call. You guys have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800 462 7413. That's 1 800 462 7413. All right, Zorba, let's take a peek into the Zorba Pastor on your health inbox and read a few emails. First up, we have Trixie in Nina, Wisconsin, who writes In relation to forest bathing, we've talked about that, mm-hmm. how do you feel about earthing or grounding mats? They plug into the ground plug in an electrical outlet and connect to a mat. The claim is that contact with the mat actually grounds you, similar to walking barefoot outdoors. Have I you heard of these I things? Grounding mats, them, earthing you know, mats? You know, why are we trying to industrialize Mother Nature? You're I saying mean, just really, get out into the real thing. Yeah, the real thing. I mean, grounded mats, so i got to pay some money, got to plug it in, and well, it's supposed to be the same as ur- Mother you know, Nature. Inner city, urban, like a very, it's hard to get into green space maybe. What about that? Well, the reality is inner city or urban means you can get outside and walk in Mother Nature. I mean, and are you far from a park? If you look at 90% of America, 95% of America, I mean, I've been in New York City. Yeah. There are parks in New York City. There's a really big one. Yeah, well, obviously. (laughs) But there are a lot of little small parks in New York City. There are places where parks, and in parks you often have people, you have kids who are playing and they're making noise. They're on swing sets and other things. Even that's beneficial, you're saying. I mean, anywhere in America, you can get out into a park. And if you don't know and you're stuck in your screen, Google park nearby and you will find something. And forget about spending your money on grounding an electric Mac that you plug in and this is the same as Mother Nature. Uh Uh-huh. That's a, that's, a, that's a hard no from Zorba. All right. Finally, Zorba. Really? Pete, uh-huh. <laughs> no grounding mats. You betcha. Pete in La Crosse, Wisconsin writes, My dad was a cost accountant in the food industry. He reminds me that food in the U.S. is sold on the basis of weight and that the manufacturer's job is to put weight in the package. Besides water, salt, and sugar are the cheapest ways to add weight to the package. Fats are expensive. Protein is expensive. Low-fat foods loaded with sugar and salt are mm-hmm. typically the cheapest to make, and people will often pay more for them, believing that they are better for us. Uh, what do you think well, of this? Like I insider people, baseball. I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if people pay more for them thinking that they're better. But he's got some, he's got some very good point. I think the real issue is highly processed foods that are cheap and inexpensive to make that are tasty. We find them tasty, so we'll buy them are good. The example. But it's not just weight. Let's look at a bag of Cheetos. Do you buy Cheetos based on weight? Uh, no. <laughs> you buy Cheetos based on size. And we know Cheetos is obviously not the ideal food for you to eat. How about Cocoa Puffs? They're really not based. How much does your box of Cocoa Puffs weigh? It, you don't look at it that way. It's all air. It's a small, <laughs> but I mean, it's a small box, a medium box, or the jumbo family size box. Yeah. So not everything is based on weight. Some things are based on hot air. <laughs> it's funny you bring up chips. Straight to my heart, Zorba. Always talking about Cheetos and Doritos here. Uh, do you have a question or health tip for the good doc? Just post it on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right. Before we head out, Zorba, you may be surprised by this, but our listeners don't always agree with your sage radio wisdom. Really? You knew that. No, I didn't. You didn't know that. No. You are surprised. Mm-mm. I am surprised. Okay. I thought everyone agrees with me all the time. Well, we made this segment just for these cases. Oh, okay. This is called Disagreeing with the Doc. Disagreeing with the Doc. Disagreeing with the Doc. Oh, oh, oh. The following message came via our Facebook page from our listener Greta in New York. Greta writes... Hi, Dr. Zorba and Carl, longtime listener, first time caller. She's not really calling though, right? She's, no, but first time. But you yeah, can I like. Say I know the mm-hmm. phrase. I'm aware yep. of it. I just heard you tell a caller that soy is okay for those with thyroid issues. While that may be generally true, it's important to note that synthroid levothyroxine users should avoid soy. The soy can block absorption of the medication. My nine-month-old has congenital hypothyroidism, and we have to be mindful to avoid soy formula. The more you know. Also, just wanted to add how appreciative I am for your show. I come... 
from a family of doctors, including my dad and brothers, Mm -hmm. one of which who is currently in his residency at the University of Wisconsin. Listening to your show makes me feel like we're back at the dinner table discussing our own healthy living. <laughs> nice. Thank you for carrying that out to a large audience and stay well. Nice. That was nice. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, she brings up uh, a good point mm-hmm. of medications. So when it comes to, uh, you know, her, her child has congenital hypothyroidism, and it turns out you've got to pay attention to the label of when you take the medication. And there's certain medications that have to be taken on an empty stomach. One of them happens to be thyroid medication, Mm -hmm. and it may be that soy interferes with the absorption. And that's why going to your pharmacist and asking whether or not any of the medications uh, have to be taken on an empty stomach is really important. And once again, reading the label and asking that, she brings up a good point. And it's not just soy. It's other things that can interfere with the absorption of thyroid medication. Do you disagree with the good doc? No big deal. Just let us know. No by, big deal. No big deal. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a nice that was a nice, was nice disagreeing nice email, disagree. wasn't it? Like a soft Very, disagreeing. It was a soft disagree. with a nice that's happy right. ending. That's after. right. Uh, happy send, ending. Yeah, that's send us an like. email or post on our Facebook page, or send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Zerba at WPR. We're leaving that in. Yeah. Okay. Should we do this again next week? I hope so. Real loosey goosey today. If you missed anything during the show or you just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web at zorbapastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime, 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 anytime to leave us your question at 800 462 7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.